top. And when you do it from the super patellar, it's really just like a straight shot like this. Gotcha. So it's a lot easier technically. You end up less problematic with the potential causing deformities and stuff like that. So it, uh, so we go through the quads tendon. Mm -hmm. um, the knee pain that people can have from putting nails through either the suprapatellar or the infrapatellar approach is about the same. Okay. Um, it's not entirely clear why people get knee pain. Okay. Partly sometimes it's because the nails sticking out too far, the fact that we've sort of irritated a tendon, but usually it goes quite well. You literally just split the tendon pull it apart and then you put something to protect the tissues mm -hmm. all the way down to where you're going to the bone okay so um it, I, occasionally people say that they still have some knee pain um and usually the removal of the nail uh re resolves that problem okay so yeah so get your nails out when that time comes guys all right um next question uh uh jewel p we actually kind of answered this a little earlier she said uh the precise nail she's just waiting for the regulatory bodies um in Canada to pretty much give the go ahead. So um, just keep checking with them in January. The, de the deadline that Health Canada has given us is somewhere in the week of the 15th of January. So okay. we should have really, like we should be good to go. There should be no no more delays. Awesome, good to hear. All right, um, let's see here. Next question from, here we are right here. So Felicia's asking, does Dr. G perform quadrilateral length lengthening with precise two? How much height can one gain and how long would, I guess, would it take? <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, the answer, the short answer is yes, I don't do it all at the same time though. So mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't think anybody's doing that anymore. I think uh, some people are still doing it a couple of weeks apart. I'm still not a fan of that. Okay. Um, I think that uh, it's asking a lot from your muscles and I don't think you'll get as much length as if you time it so that you wait longer between mm -hmm. the two. So the, the best situation, in my opinion, is you do the femurs, um, you get the femurs to heal. So you're full weight bearing. And whenever those femurs are healed, then you can take the nail out take the nail out of the femurs, put the nails into the tibias and do the mm -hmm. tibias. And so usually awesome. it takes about 18 months to get through that whole process. Okay. Um, and I know that's a lot, but it's like off and on, you know, like you give yourself a little break in between and really the key is that you've given your muscles time to readapt from the femoral lengthening to their new length and so now when you go for the tibial lengthening you can get further uh, without as much difficulty in my opinion than if you do it too close together some patients like to do it six months apart some patients want me to do it at three months three months i find really too early like i really want your femurs to be well on their way to healed mm -hmm. and that the muscles have had time to sort of stretch out a bit more but my ideal is at the time where you take out the femoral nails, you put in the tibial nails. Okay. And would that surgery that like, would the, well, surgical cost would it be like kind of like cheaper because you're doing all kind of like all in one, you're removing and- So usually I don't charge them for the femoral removal. Okay. And I just charge them for the tibial uh, insertion. Insertion. Oh, that's awesome, guys. But so it, it's, it the same, uh, it's the same cost um, for the femoral or tibial surgery, like I have to charge them the same thing again. It's the same procedure, you know, but basically right. I do the femoral excision. Like it's a bit more time, but I just, uh, we, we just suck it up. And, uh, she, it <laughs> she does it for you guys. She loves you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh. it's so much money already. It's just, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, next question. Uh, Felicia has a really, another good question. This has actually been floating around the Limelight community lately. It's how long should one stop smoking cigarettes before surgery? What if you're a social smoker? Yeah, so I do not operate on smokers, just mm. FYI. If you smoke, I will not do this surgery, period. Um, a month before is the minimum. And I actually have a colleague uh, in another province who told me that I can now nicotine test patients, which I will start doing if I have any doubts. Because I had one patient lie to me. <laughs> oh, really? And uh, I was really upset, first of all, because like 
you know, you're taking a huge risk. Like if yeah. the bone doesn't heal, you know, and it's, so it wasn't one of my limb lengthening, my cosmetic patients. It was another patient in my uh, regular public practice, but he lied to me and I operated on him and I'm in like in a world of misery since then trying to get his bone to heal. So it's just, you know, misery. So yeah, I'm very, very strong. You have to stop at least a month before. So if I nicotine test, you test negative. <laughs> there you go, guys. She's going to check yeah. you. I'm not, I'm not like, anti other types of, you know, marijuana for pain for as long as you don't cut it with tobacco or nicotine, no issues. I have zero okay. issues with that. It's good for relaxing the muscle. Like I have zero issues with that. It's the nicotine yeah. that closes down the vessels that prevents bones from, from growing or healing. And so that that's the, the main, main reason. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see here. Next question. Ah, here we are. From Kiev Air, uh, does Dr. Marie G uh, do the IT band release for femoral lengthening? <clears throat> always. Always. Always, 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 always. So I do not think that anybody want to walk like a duck when they come see me to have that <laughs> wide gate. It's just, it sucks. I have a patient coming back from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Germany or God, I can't remember that he got it yeah. done there because he was sick and tired of waiting for the precise <laughs> to come back from Canada. And now he's contacting me because he wants me to do his IT band because the guy over there didn't do it. And he's walking yeah. like, and it's driving him crazy. So mm. I always do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Very cool. That's a good prophylactic measure. All right. Next question here um, from Maria. Man, they are, you are super popular, Dr. G. They, these questions are flowing in here. Um, we'll just keep going, I guess. <laughs> you yeah, just let yeah. me know if, if we need to kind of close down. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Cool. It's good. These All are right. interesting questions. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, from Maria, she's asking, is blood clot more likely after ACL surgery than limb lengthening? That's an interesting question. So the thing about ACL surgery is that it depends if your surgeon used a tourniquet. Hmm. Because tourniquet use increases the risk of blood clots. Um, so that would be otherwise not, no, not, I mean, they're probably about the same in terms okay. of uh, the risk. The, there's no, people usually have a lot of pain after ACL surgery. They don't mobilize too quickly. And so they're probably the same or maybe even the lengthening is a little less because we don't, I don't usually necessarily use a, a tourniquet for, for surgery. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Next question from BG. Um, can you talk about taking vitamin D3 with K2 for bone re regeneration? I so um, I am a believer in vitamin D and mm. calcium. Okay. Um, I tell all my patients when we start to, to do just the regular small dose of vitamin D calcium, which is, and then when we're done lengthening, I do a one-time super dose of vitamin okay. D and calcium. It's like a um, to help get the, the bone to heal as fast as possible. I do also ask them to drink a little bit of orange juice or apple juice uh, during their regular diet because that's been shown to help a little bit with the vitamin C increasing some of the bone regeneration. Um, K2 being... Yeah, I think that's another mineral that... Um, I've heard some pretty interesting research about it that it does help with bone um, regeneration. And how do you but... take it? Yeah, it's, it's just like... A, it's like usually like a multivitamin... Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, I don't know yeah. much about K2 unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry. But D, D3 and calcium guys, those are like the, the yeah. two that should yeah. be focused and on. And vitamin C needs to Is is that super dose of vitamin D3 that you give? Is that like an a, injection or is it like a pill? No, so it's a 10,000 units per day. Usually people take 10,000 units a week. Okay. Um plus 5,000 of calcium a day. When mm -hmm. we do the super dose, we do it for 10 days and we do 10,000 units per day and then we go per back day. to 10,000 units a week. Yeah. 
Okay. And that's gotcha. the study that's come out from looking at non-unions, mm. uh, trying to get people to heal their non-unions. So I just use it to be like, you know what, we're done with the lengthening. We don't need yeah. the bone to be flexible anymore. Let's try to give it a little extra boost. A little boost. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Awesome. All right. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> Next question from J1. Uh, how many times did Marie, <laughs> Dr. Marie, um, perform leg lengthening surgery so far, if you don't mind me asking? Also, were there any patients that had consider considerable side effects previously? If so, could you please share? I think he's just trying to get that transparency. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So for, like I said, I've been in practice 10 years. We do about 40 to 50 limb lengthening cases a year in my public practice, but that's mm -hmm. one leg. So, right. But nope. that's my, basically my, one of my main part portions of my practice for the cosmetic lengthenings. I think we've done six or seven before we were stopped with COVID. And mm -hmm. then, like I said, I have about 30 on my wait list right now. <laughs> to me, it's all the same. Like I understand the cosmetic, but cosmetic limb lengthening is two legs versus one leg. It's the same. You know what I mean? Like we, so from an experience point of view, I'm, I'm, very comfortable um, with the limb lengthening. You know, I think that's what it comes down to is like know how to lengthen the bone, know how to change the rhythm, depending on how the bone is growing. All that stuff comes from, from you know, over 10 years of experience now. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of side effects, I've seen a ton of side. I mean, so in my public practice, I think that's a good thing. You know, you want somebody who knows how to deal with the complications. Yeah. Um, I've seen a, a ton of complications, but mainly because, you know, some of the patients that, that come to see us don't come by choice. You know, right. for the patients who are in the public practice, they've had a car accident, they've lost eight centimeters of bone on the side of the road, and now we have to grow that back, or they've got an infection, or they've had a tumor. So they're not all in the same pedigree of having uh, good hygiene and good health and not having diabetes or all kinds of other things that, that or being smokers or you know, right. sometimes, you know, so these things all play on the complication rates. Um, but most of the time we get through it. Like, you know, I, my practice has been like in a, basically an anti-amputation practice. Like most people come to see me before the amputation, basically it's my last stop before that. So um, I haven't had too many, I haven't had to do too many amputations. It happens occasionally, but you know, in 10 years, maybe I've done two or three. Like wow. uh, it's really, we do a lot of limb salvage, limb saving procedures. And and to do that, we, we grow bone. So um, cool. I don't know if that can help answer his question. Yeah, that answers it big time. I think he's gonna really appreciate that. That's awesome, Dr. Gudelovich. Um, all right. Uh, wow. This guy's just giving you some props here. He said, oh, God, I've, I've been searching for a while for, for her for a while now. And after the last video, you bring another chance for me to get to know her better. Thank you. They love you. I'm telling you, you're a super popular uh, surgeon. Like, it's ridiculous. I, I can't. I was like, we're going to save her for last for the year. So that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to go right, moving right along here. Um, okay, here we go. Logan X. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, there's just some chatter in here. I'm just trying to scroll through. Oh, here it is. He's asking, where's your private surgery center that you operate uh, from in M Montreal? So actually, we had a few that we were working out of. COVID changed everything for us. The Quebec mm -hmm. government took over all the private surgery centers during COVID oh, wow. to try to take the day surgery cases outside of the hospital, put them in the surgery centers. Yep. So we used to work out of Rockland MD, then they said, no, then they, we don't have time for you anymore. And then we went to Distrante, uh, now the hospital's there not. So now we're at a new center called Centre de Chirurgie de l'Est. Okay. Um, it's uh, brand new, you know, they've been operating for a couple of months now and they've promised me plenty of OR time, which is what I needed. Um, they have some on-site rooms for patients to stay in after, which is nice. 
because occasionally because of the politics in Quebec, we could do surgery and a patient could stay there for 23 hours. Then we'd have to transfer them to the rehab center. It's just, I'm telling you, this is the reason why some people don't do this. It's a mess in Quebec and in Canada in general. So now we have everybody on the same site. You can stay there for three nights, four nights, whatever, you know, how, how, how much time we need you there. Yeah. So yeah, we're excited about it. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But we have a bunch of options. Like it's not the only option, but this uh, seems to be the best option so far. Um, so they know how to do good ortho surgery. I've been there now and we've been doing some small surgeries so far. So good. Everything's going well. So that's good. Good to hear that. All right. Um, uh, Dr. G, this is another, this is a follow-up from the earlier. He was asking about the same nail. Um, so he wasn't talking about like doing like leaving the nail in and doing really. Yeah. He's so, that, yeah so taking yeah. it out of the femur and putting it in yeah. the tibia. I mean, I wish if yeah. I mean, the company for sure will never say yes to that. And I think, um, <laughs> sterilizing it is complex. Okay. The main issue would be infection. So like theoretically, if we could, you know, leave you on the table for three hours or just take them out, hold them on, hold on to them for you, sterilize them for you and bring them back and put them in your body. But once they've been used, there's a few things that can go wrong. There's a bit of friction within the, the telescopic mechanism. So we don't want to sort of take a risk on doing, using the same nail twice because there's going to be some flex once it's fully, fully um, distracted. And then there's mm. the risk of infection. And oh, so that's yeah. really the reason why we can't uh, use it twice. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes complete sense. The, the reason why we use it twice in the same bone is because we don't take it out, put it back in. We just cut around it and try to use it again. And the risk of infection there sort of is not not something that we worry about. Okay. And yeah, that's kind of like his question here is how much is the risk for deep infection for precise? And you just mentioned that. So we're going to skip that one. Okay, cool. Well, actually, but so the risk, the real risk, just so um, yeah. is that, um, you know, no matter what we do, so we give patients antibiotics for preventing deep infection. Oh, but okay. despite that, one patient in a thousand is the statistics for any yeah. kind of orthopedic surgery that will develop a deep infection. Okay. We haven't had any yet in our aesthetic lengthenings. I haven't had any in, in my, any of my precise Thank God, but uh -huh. it's a question of numbers. I think if we hit a thousand at some point, we're, we're probably eventually gonna have a deep infection. That's that's life, that's statistics, that's the way it right. works. We try hard, we give you guys, you know, preventative antibiotics. It sucks if you get a deep infection, but it's treatable. So, yeah. you know, you're with the PICC line, IV antibiotics for six weeks, Sometimes we can keep lengthening, like so. It, it just sucks. It would suck. No, no. Grab. Right. That's the best way to put it. But it's treatable, and we try hard not to get that. Yeah, and you know what? I I'll take those odds. I mean, one in a thousand is pretty good for. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> People uh, just need to be aware. You know, that's that's yeah. That's uh, it's a yeah. it's a complication. Yep, one hundred percent. Logan's asking, uh, are there recommended housing close to your center? If so, yeah, and she just mentioned that um, earlier. So. All right. Well, actually, see. so there's a few other things for the housing. So we've yeah. been working on it just because, you know, so the best, honestly, the best is probably Airbnb because it's probably going to be the best bang for your buck. Okay. We are trying now that more patients are coming from uh, outside of, of the, the province to keep like a running list of where other patients have stayed. So mm -hmm. then with a little bit of feedback, like a little review. And so we, we're going to try to send that to patients. We only have one or two right now, so it's not that useful, but we are trying to accumulate that so that if people do find some great locations and some, yeah. um, so, but we do have a deal with, um, with a hotel that's, that's quite close to, uh, to my office, uh, mm -hmm. where patients are going to be seeing me the most. Um, and it's not great yet. We're still working out the details, it's like 120 bucks a night, Canadian okay. plus taxes for the first month. And then we're trying to get them to decrease the price for the second and third month. And mm -hmm. they do also have a rate if you're coming in to see me from out of town. Uh, we'll send that to whoever you know contacts us. If you're coming for a couple of nights to see me before surgery, and then we're going to book surgery at another time, they have some special rates for you guys as well. Oh, nice. So you guys have a little special accommodation if you go yeah. see Dr. G. That's really cool. Awesome. Um, 
All right. So uh, this question, he has a, another question. Uh, what is the longest tibia consolidation time you have observed? For uh, cosmetic lengthening? Yeah, I would guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah it couldn't be quite long. I have a guy right now Yeah. coming back to see me. I didn't do his initial surgery, though. And it's uh, quite long. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> used, it wasn't with it wasn't with precise. It was with stride. Okay. Um, I think he's like uh, in December. He's going to be year to year from when he started his his initial procedure. Yeah. So that's getting quite long. Um. So and like I said, I didn't operate on him, but I would have had the same result. Like somebody that I know very well that did it uh, and and great surgeon. So, um, I think it's the stride in his case and he did his femurs quite, quite quickly after. And so mm -hmm. I think some of that is, is part of it. Um, so I, yeah, it, it can take a while for the tibias. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you get like this partial consolidation, posterior cortex, medial lateral cortex, but the anterior cortex seems to take the longest, the part in the front, cause there's not mm -hmm. a lot of muscle around it. We have a lot of tips and tricks on how to get that to heal. A lot, a lot, mostly it comes down to a lot of weight bearing, I think to get yeah. it down to healing. I haven't had to bone graft any of my cosmetics yet. Uh, wow. Maybe exchange nail from time to time. I haven't done it on my cosmetics yet, but I might be doing it on this guy coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, that helps a little bit for the healing. So Timmy is actually in like both in the, the, they eventually heal. Usually we haven't had yeah. any problems healing for our cosmetics yet, but uh, in other patients, <laughs> it can really take a long time. We only let them go so long. We have a bunch of tricks. I do use the oxygen machine. Some people yeah. don't believe in it. I think it's worth trying before you go right. for more surgery. I do the tapping. Or I get people mm -hmm. to vibrate their legs a little, tap up and down. Um, we do the super bowls of vitamin D doses. And then if we, if all else fails, we go for an exchange uh, remake nailing and try to change out it, especially the stride. It's stainless steel. Change it for yeah. a titanium nail. Increase the loading on the bone. Smaller nail, oh. things like that. Right. Very so, cool. Awesome. There you go. You guys, she has multiple little uh, methods to try to get that, that tibia healing. Um Yes, Thorfinn, she's like the only doctor in Canada that does cosmetic lengthening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so from Felicia here, she's asking, are there any medication contra contraindications uh, for the surgery? So I guess like, you know, things that will kind of like m medicine combos, I guess, like allergy um, medicine, anything they shouldn't take. No, I mean, some people might have some underlying immune problems. Mm -hmm. um, so if they're on medication, the biologics are all okay. So um, like uh, Humira and all those ones that, but the, some of the older ones like methotrexate, for instance, is a problem for bone healing. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a few of them that could be problematic. Um, I think also if you're on a special acne medication, what's the name that it's evading me? It's the popular one. That one can be problematic for bone healing. Um, so there's a few things. So usually we can find a way to either replace that medication with something else that'll work. Yeah. Uh, usually. But um, okay. there are a few that uh, need to be watched out for for making bone. Okay. Gotcha. Um this question is, he, he wants to kind of know, what were some of the, like, uh, can you describe some of the disasters from overseas that you've seen that you had to fix? Um, and I mean, we could do a whole many... episode on this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll oh, man. That, but... <laughs> All right. So I'll tell you guys the best one I've seen. The, the, I mean, the funniest, oh, funny. It's not funny. I feel bad for the thing. Anyways, all right. I, I won't say it like that, but it's like the one where you're like, <laughs> so this lady came back from, I can't remember where she went. I can't remember if it was, I can't remember. I want to, anyways, she, she right. was out from out overseas. 
She came back bilateral tibial lengthenings. Um, they were done uh, lengthening over a nail. So the, someone had used a fixator over the nail and then she had like just a gap. Like there was wow. no bone in the gap. There was just a gap. There was a bunch of like shredded jiggly saw bits all over the place. Oh, and wow. um, and so she was in Montreal walking around, broke her tibia at the one of the pin sites under the nail. Mm. so or right through the nail whatever it was something like that and so she goes to some other hospital and the guy's like eh, okay and it was open it was an open tibia fracture so you could oh see the my nail gosh. so the guy's like oh well okay how am i going to get this nail out because he was really worried about like the nail getting infected because it was an open fracture so he was like oh well i can see the nail so maybe i'll just try to hammer the nail out oh my gosh <laughs> And that basically split her entire tibia in half, oh and like the other way, instead of being, you know, and so then he calls me after he does this. <laughs> and he's like, and he took it out. He ended up taking out the nail. So then, so he saw he couldn't get it out because the nail gets bigger as, as it's more, more towards the knee. The nail is actually bigger than as it goes further down the legs. So he got <sighs> stuck. So because he got stuck and he was like, okay, well, let me push it back out through the regenerate. So no. he pops it out through the regenerate. So finally he gets the nail out. Then he calls me and he's like, can I transfer you this patient? I'm like, are you kidding me? You couldn't just transfer it to me when with the nail in? Like, so then I had this massive X fix to put on her with like, and then, but anyways, and then she needed grafting on both sides because the other oh, side no. of the nail was also, wasn't healing. Anyway, she eventually healed. She's walking. Yeah. She's happy camper now, but it took almost a year to get her to that point. So yeah. That oh was, uh, that was quite the case. Yeah. I have That's pictures on that. I'm always like, this is not, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and that was because of the lengthening over the nail. And technically, they, they, you know, there's a bit of a technical issue there with where they put their pins and stuff. So she broke. Uh, wow, guys, you heard that there. So <laughs> definitely surgeon searching is very important. And that's why we yeah. have the best of the best on here. But, I mean, again, it was it's a cost thing. Those patients that go abroad, it's because they can't afford it here and they really want to get it done. And I, I understand them, honestly. Like, it's just right. It's tough. Now that makes sense. All right. Um, this one's from Ice Cold. Do you have to use a catheter during the operation, it seems a bit discomforting. Yeah, so everybody <laughs> hates the catheter. Yeah. Surgery is quite long. It's about, you know, two hours per leg, an hour and a half per leg. So anywhere mm. between three and four hours. And uh, the, the anesthetists really like to know how much fluids are going in and out of your body. And it helps us sort of assess how you're doing. It's kind of an important thing. And also, if you've had a spinal um, anesthetic, then you might not pee for a little while and then your bladder gets distended. And if your bladder gets distended and if it gets over distended, then it won't work. So then mm. you're going to need the catheter longer. So we do recommend to keep the catheter the first day or two. Everybody hates it. I mean, the first two days after surgery, everybody's miserable. Like yeah. you have to expect you can't eat properly. You feel nauseous. You take pain medication because you have pain then you're nauseous <laughs> again and you're throwing up and then you can't pee and then you can't poo. And then like, it's just like this cycle until you like, eat a proper meal, pee and poo. You can't leave the hospital. And for that to happen, it takes a couple of days. And so that's why you're miserable. Everybody's miserable the first couple of days. And you're like hooked up with an IV. It's just surgery sucks. Like those first couple of days, they suck. And then right. after that, you know, once you get out of the hospital, it, it's really not so bad. So yeah, it is uncomfortable. Surgery is uncomfortable. <laughs> you need to be prepared for that. If you cannot, you know, deal with the catheter, you probably shouldn't have this surgery. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we have a couple more questions in here. I know these, these questions are coming in hard, but guys, we'll, I know it's almost been an hour. We're going to, what do you say, Dr. G, maybe 10 more minutes? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, good. all right. We'll, we'll do 10 more minutes because, like, we know this will never stop. <laughs> we'll go into Christmas <laughs> before we stop. Yeah. They obviously love you. We're going to have you back on in, in the new year. All right. um, hopefully you're That's not too busy with cosmetic cases. But anyway, yeah. all in right, here we go. <laughs> in between cases. Um, this is from DM. Would stage two hypertension be an issue during the lengthening phase? <laughs> no, I would expect that that's controlled. I would probably get my medical team just to give me some advice, uh, but it shouldn't be really like you, you should be back to your baseline once once you're done with the acute phase of surgery. So I don't okay. think that would be an issue for me. Okay, gotcha. Um, let's see here. All right, here we go. So this person is asking, Ice Cold has another question. What is your take on max length for both segments um, in terms of athletics uh, and doing combat sports? I'm a dedicated... I'm dedicated to doing physio, eating healthy, sleeping well. Is it possible for 100% recovery? Yeah. So 100%. I think some of my some of the uh, my best patients are my athletes. Honestly, um, they're the most motivated. They're a little bit also the most like <laughs> obsessed with making sure like getting the millimeters at the end yeah. and everything else. But but they're very motivated and and they understand their body really well, which is nice. And so I'd say max length for sure. The femurs. It's eight in the tibia six and a half mm -hmm. probably if you're going for femurs and tibia so likely just you know 14 14 and a half 15 is for sure the max 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 okay yeah and then i think 100 percent recovery is that i mean that's the goal there's no reason that there's i always aim for 100 percent recovery everybody should get 100 percent recovery that's uh okay. it's just a question of how much length you get because that we don't compromise your recovery you're gonna recover but you might recover and get five centimeters in your tibia and six centimeters in your femur but you're going to recover 100%. That's that's not, you know, going to change. Whether you get the full length is what's going to change. Man, guys, you, she, she is driven to get you back to 100%. So no, you that's have that. definitely the case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. Um, oh, here it is, right here. Uh, so Ars is he's asking, Dr. Gadelovich, a doctor said that he prefers externals over internals because if anything goes wrong, he doesn't have to open a patient, open up a patient. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> I mean, I do a lot of external fixation in my practice right now for a reason that we can't use internal. But whenever mm. you can use internal and for cosmetic purposes, I mean, for lengthening a femur with external fixation is an excessively painful process. Mm -hmm. In terms of the amount of pain that patients go through with having things rip through their muscles, the yeah. pins that are ripping through their muscles through the skin, I just, I was not willing to do aesthetic lengthenings with external fixation because I okay. think it's too painful yeah. and it's not a safe process, pin site infections and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. I don't think that that's a good argument, honestly. If anything goes wrong, you can always put an external fixator on. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, let's see here. All right, let's see. I haven't, he got his leg infected, can't walk anymore. Okay, we're gonna skip that one. I'm trying to find the best questions here because they they just keep coming in. <laughs> um, let's go with this one right here. All right, here we are. Just trying to scroll through. Um, oh, it bumped me back. Hold on, sorry. There we go. All right, so uh, this was from Ice Cold. Just in case I skip past this one, I think I did earlier. Uh, do you offer interest-free payment plans? Maybe in the future, do you see this happening? We haven't connected with a bank yet. Um, I mean, I think most people can decide how they want to, you know, figure out their financing. I don't really mm -hmm. want to be involved with that, to be honest. Like, but you know, if we get enough enough interest, we might be able to talk to a bank and see. But it's basically going to go through a financial institution. Like, uh, I'm not going to be involved in that. My, that's not sort of the goal here. Unfortunately, uh, we're we're not interested in interest 
payments either. Like, I don't want to take your money and take interest on it. Like, that's not my goal either. I just want you to figure out how you can pay for it, depending on what your situation is. But that wouldn't go through us pretty much ever. So Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, so we have a few more questions. We're going to take five more questions for five more minutes, guys. So let's go through these quickly. Uh, where, where was it? Oh, here it is. All right, so Logan X is back with another complication case. Have you observed or heard of a bone collapse after rod removal, even though the x-rays look fine? How can this be, be prevented if x-rays don't always show the problems? So I think the x-ray almost always shows how well the bone is healed. Like uh, if somebody didn't look at the both views or because usually if you have a cortex that's missing, then you have a, you have a risk of collapse. Okay. So, but if your cord, if you have all four cortices and your bone is healed, there's no such thing as collapse. You cannot oh. collapse a solidly healed bone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that that's it. So it can't be that your X-rays were fine. Well, I'll find yeah. the reason why it collapsed if you show right. me your X-rays, because that's not going to be the answer. I think what he really means, because there was in the last month there was a, apparently a patient who had his stride nail removed and his femur broke. Um, ah. I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't think it was at the site. Okay. Of the regenerate. Yeah. Regenerate. Yeah. So yeah. that's possible. So, so when we put in a nail and we lock it through the screws that are put in to lock the nail. Mm -hmm. those screw holes have to have to close again with the bone has to fill in and that right. takes a little while. And so usually we tell people to be some, somewhat cautious after we take out the nails, you know, you should be on crutches for the first two weeks. You can fully mm -hmm. weight bear, but with crutches to make sure you don't fall. Cause if you were to fall within the first, let's say six weeks after yeah. surgery, you could break yep. for sure. So it wouldn't happen from just walking unless yeah. from a technical perspective, one of the screws were put, it was put in anteriorly in the, t in the femur. If mm. there was, it was in the anterior cortex of the femur, then you could break through the femur. Oh, so okay. it's a technical thing. But gotcha. so usually where the nail is, you shouldn't have that problem. But yeah, that's that really interesting. the reason Very why cool. somebody, yeah. That's a, that's a unique perspective. We haven't heard that one yet from a surgeon. So that's really cool that she, you said that. All right. Um, last few questions. Okay, here we go. This one's about showering. Where's Benjamin? Benjamin, where's your question? I just saw it. Here it is right here. Okay. Um, how do patients take a shower after surgery? <clears throat> so we typically, it's usually we recommend a sponge bath, okay. um, which basically means you sponge yourself in the areas that mm -hmm. you don't get your wounds wet. We only don't let you shower for a week. And after that, yeah. you can shower. It's oh, all okay. dissolvable stitches. We put steri strips and then you can shower after a week, like a full oh. shower, normal shower. Right, so right, right. Uh, it's just the first week that we recommend a sponge bath, not getting the dressings uh, wet. Gotcha. All right. Last three questions or last couple questions for the three minutes, guys. Um, how many days of hospital stay do you envisage? I guess, um, yeah. Well, I don't even know. Envisage, yes. I envisage. Okay. That's a French word. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so for this, for the precise, it's a little different than the stride because the stride typically we can cut down on one or two nights of hospital stay. Right now, we, we most patients with the precise nail, it's about three nights. Okay. hospital stay like uh and sometime during that fourth day they're able to leave the hospital they don't have to stay that fourth night for like i'd say 90 percent of our patients if they okay. want to stay longer and they're not comfortable i'm never going to kick people out we have the space we have the time like it's fine but that's typically what we include in our price and what we think that most people can get away with because by that point the pain is under control they've learned how to move around they're peeing they're pooing they're eating and so then yeah. you don't have to be in the hospital anymore Okay, gotcha. All right, guys, last two questions. Um, let's see here. This one's uh, actually pretty popular because there's a, there's been, you know, with the strides removal, there's been other a few other weight-bearing nails. Someone wants to know, uh, does one heal faster with a weight-bearing nail? 
Yes. I mean, I think the, the, the short answer is yes. The more weight you put through a bone, the more load it has, the faster it heals. That is okay. accurate. There's a balance, though, when you're trying to go get length because you don't want it to heal too fast because you need right. your regenerate to stay supple enough to get the length. I don't think we've seen too many problems, but stride in the femur has made really impressive bone. And sometimes we need to speed people up a little bit mm-hmm. and the tibia is a little less. So I think, I think the stride is probably a good nail for the femur is not as great a nail in the tibias, but uh, anyways, but we don't have the stride anyways. So there's nothing to talk about there, but you do, we do encourage some weight bearing with the precise because that that's going to help. You know, we do need to put some weight in our legs, but uh, I guess there's other nails out there. You're talking about like the fit bone or. Yeah. 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 Fit bone. Yep. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. you mean the, um, they're talking, they're talking about the goose, the G nail. It's apparently, or the Betts bone or one of those. For the or the Betts bone for the guy in yeah, Germany. Yeah. Bone. He's a weight bearing mm-hmm. nail. Yeah. I've no, yeah. I don't know much about his technology, but yeah, I know mm-hmm. weight bearing nail in my opinion is probably, uh, you're probably going to recover a little bit faster. Yeah. Okay. All righty. So last question here. Uh, this is, uh, from DM. Does Dr. G fixate the fibula during tibial lengthening or do you find it unnecessary? <clears throat> Oh no, I find it very necessary. <laughs> you definitely have to 100% fix a fibula or you will not have a, a functioning ankle joint. Oh, so wow. if you were to break your tibia and not fixate the fibula to follow the lengthening. So the reason why we fixate the fibula is that we attach the fibula to the tibia at the top and at the bottom so that when we cut the tibia and the fibula and lengthen using the nail and the tibia, the fibula follows. Right. If that were not to happen, First of all, it would cause a lot of knee pain. And second of all, you're likely to have a, a fibula riding up and, and then you won't have stability of your ankle anymore. That would be a disaster. Mm, yeah. We definitely fixate the fibula. Okay, that is not an option gotcha. for a lengthening. Yeah. <laughs> it's mandatory. It's going to happen. It is. It is. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, you you guys heard it here first. Dr. G just went over an hour here answering all of your questions. So do me a favor, pump in the chat, show her your love, say thank you to Dr. G. Um, you know, and she did mention for those of you who just joined in the last 30 minutes or so that, um, she is waiting to hear, uh, from the regulatory bodies in Canada to release, to basically give the go ahead to use the precise two nails. So that's going to be happening, uh, sometime January 15th, I think Dr. G. Yep. She's going to be hearing that. So you guys will be getting an email from her so you can reach out to them, her and Miriam. And by the way, say hi to Miriam for me because she was amazing in coordinating this. She's great. (laughs) Um, So here we go. We have that. So there you go. Thank you, Dr. G. One of the best. Come back soon. Uh, Dr. G, very helpful. This is awesome. So Dr. G, I want to thank you guys. That is Dr. Marie Gadelovich from Montreal, Canada. And if you guys want to reach out to her, I have her email posted below the video. I also have it in the ticker here below where you can see her website, drmarieg.com. Her email is info at drmarieg.com. And um, yeah, just shoot her an email, say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever, or just reach out to her for cosmetic lengthening. She'll be sure to get back to you guys um, in early January. So Dr. G, it's always a pleasure to have it's you. It's always on. a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate the time. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to have you back. So, all uh, right, guys, that is it for episode 21 of Limitly Live. And until next time, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life signing out. See you later. <laughs>